0: Welcome back to another wonderful episode of the Blue Line Brothers. I'm Fred. I'm Frank. And together we are still uh, a couple of um, Knuckle Dragon uh, Blue Line Brothers. Still. Yeah. So uh, we, we definitely want to thank everybody for uh, continuing to tune in, uh, all both of you uh, from all around the world. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's down to one and a half now. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I... <laughs> yeah, things are, things are getting better as we speak. But um, today's episode, uh, we're going to focus on, on some of the things uh, that have been going on in the world uh, recently uh, at, at the time of this recording, which is uh, a whole bunch of uh, hazmat issues around the country. So,
1: Well, uh, and, and it kind of leads, credence, to what we have talked about in the past. You know, we've always alluded to, quote-unquote, something could happen.
0: Yes, as far as an emergency, you know, what constitutes an emergency? I mean, it it could be anything from a natural disaster. It could be something, uh, uh, a man-made, either by accident, like uh, a number of these uh, scenarios uh, seem to be playing out. It could be a a political issue. Um, You know, so there are a number of of, uh, sources of an quote-unquote emergency. Uh, But this one, uh, or I should say the series of which we are uh, speaking, uh, involve uh, hazardous materials, uh, some things that a lot of people may not understand on face value. So we're going to kind of dig into some of this stuff and explain a few things that could be important uh for a plan of action if you will everybody should have a plan of course that's what everybody touts i mean heck you can see the uh fema commercials on the rate on the tv and, and hear them on the radio and all this stuff about have a plan and and all this stuff which is great to have but it's also good to go a little more in depth with that plan and uh, have a little better understanding of number one uh, the response to expect as uh, instead of uh, you know here's here's reality versus what you might be thinking of um and and a lot of times there is a, a difference or a void, if you will uh between the two so um and what happened um well the the big one in Ohio, and now we have a, a couple of others mm-hmm. um in Michigan and some other places that kind of exemplify that so yes we're and of course uh i we should say too right off the bat we are not trying to come to any conclusions uh, as far as exactly who's to blame or what's at fault because we do not have all the information. <coughs> and of course, yeah, we we may never have uh, the full disclosure on, on a lot of this stuff because of the level of damage, destruction, and money involved, of course. Um, I hate to say it, but uh, when it comes down to... Um, um, Let's see here, government group think. I think uh, the dollar sign is uh, mightier than, than the count of life involved. Uh, as I much, uh, I just don't want to have to uh, and, and state something like that, but reality is reality.
1: You know, and I don't want to get down that rabbit hole of pointing fingers and everything else, but, you know, a smart individual could get on the internet peruse the uh we'll just say the information that's there now and come to your own conclusions of you know who is behind it
0: well yeah but let's let's get into this uh response uh aspect first and, and because once again people i don't care where you live these days and once again fine examples uh, uh, of what we're discussing right now you know you could live um in a farming community, small little town, what have you, think, holy smokes, we're outside of the big cities, you know, what could happen to us, you know, you know, outside of, a, you know, asteroid hitting us or a missile strike or something like that. Well, once again, rail lines, you know, um, and now we, we see firsthand what can happen, you know, as, as far as a worst-case scenario goes.
1: Well, and, and, and the other thing is, you know, so... What agency regulates what is transported from point A to point B on a rail line?
0: Well, DOT has a great deal of, um, of uh, purview <clears throat> over all of this stuff. I mean, as far as rules, regulations, laws, mm-hmm. as far as... Uh, once again, when you have, when you transport something, I say when you... When, when an entity, nine times out of ten, it's a corporate entity... Uh, or a government entity, uh, for that matter. Because, once again, we can it, it, we include nuclear waste with this and, and stuff like that. There's a whole lot of methyl ethyl bad stuff out there that's transported on our highways, rail lines, um, well, shipping lanes as well. Yeah. So, once again, just because we have a train derailment doesn't mean that uh, all the methyl ethyl bad stuff is transported by train.
1: It's not. You so. probably have more going down the highway next to, you know, Billy Joe Jim Bob and Mary Sue and and their nine kids in their minivan when they pass a semi, then...
0: Well, actually, back when uh, I was working the road full-time for a major city um, in the late 90s, early 2000s, uh, it was, well, it was commonly known to us as far as first responders... The big orange trucks that you used to see on the interstate, Schneider National. Mm-hmm. Uh, those guys had the contract to transport all the methyl ethyl bad stuff from the government.
1: They so, still do,
0: uh, and they may still. Yeah, I, I haven't kept up on it.
1: Uh, yeah. Although now they they have a a particular sticker in one particular spot that
0: they do. Once again, you're in the know. Technically, yes. Technically, they have to. State what they're carrying uh, through uh, hazmat placards and things like that. Normally, uh, a code number, uh, which those uh, those of us first responders, uh, we go through hazmat training uh, on various levels, and we're supposed to keep a a response book in our vehicles uh, with uh, all of the um, codes and the hazmat placarding and all that stuff. And, and but I'm going to tell you. The, the last hazmat response I responded to, uh, I did not have time to grab my Bible and look up uh, well, page 42A. A B. I will,
1: I will tell you this. Uh, in the academy, they had a, a, a pair of guys that came down that, um, for the state, they pretty much run that Bible. And they said that it changes so so many times in a short period of time that they can't keep up with printing
0: They do. That's the
1: current <clears throat> up-to-date Excuse me. stuff. Right,
0: exactly. Ours, I think, was every two or three years they would republish an updated version of our, of our little uh, pocket Bibles that so, we used so to refer to.
1: The ones that, that they gave me, um, they were the latest edition, but he said these are already out of date right
0: That normally so, that's how it works for us first responders yeah it's yeah just... we're normally the last to get the updates on everything and then of course when we do respond and you know the our, our uh our uh fireman friends break out the foam and everybody looks over what the heck are you doing well uh the book says to uh what book is that? (laughs) Oh, oh, it's the one we gave you. Sorry, we gave you an outdated book. Oh, thanks a lot. We really appreciate
1: that. Why are the soles of my shoes melting away?
0: Yes, exactly. I I can't get back in the uh, truck because I'm welded to the ground somehow, you know, with my shoes. But, but now the good thing for a lot of us listeners, uh, even, uh, I can imagine overseas, um, the internet can be a wonderful thing. And, uh, as far as, uh, there are some tidbits of information that are actually true on the internet. <laughs> let me let me start well, off with that. Wait a minute,
1: too. hang on. If you read it on the internet, then it's true.
0: Well, that's what I was told the other day. Yes,
1: it doesn't uh, matter yes. what it is if it's there, it's true.
0: Yes, yes, okay. I, I was told. I was told that the other day. Um, so uh, we we you have to know enough. Uh, of what you're looking up uh, to understand whether or not hey this is legitimate information or no it's not legitimate information and yes that can be a, a hazy area uh, when one might be conducting research so um, just like well I had to do you know back in the day <coughs> excuse me if uh, you know pre-computer pre, pre uh, computer, pre-internet <coughs> uh, Guys and gals in, in my age group had to go to a place we refer to commonly as a library, and we had to get this library was like a building um, that um, numerous periodicals were stored within this building. Mm-hmm. Periodicals, everything from magazines to newspapers to uh, Bibles and thesaurus. Oh, and, and, Thesauruses.
1: And prehistoric thing called a set of encyclopedias?
0: Yes. yeah, but yeah. I yeah. Now, there again, I was not allowed to use an encyclopedia when doing research for any of my research papers. See, that was considered cheating back in the day. Mm-hmm. So, you, you couldn't do that. now. And because we had to... That, you you want know, to know about something that changed every couple of years? It was the bibliography, or the works cited page. <laughs> oh my goodness, I forgot to put the comma in the semicolon next to the uh, name of the newspaper. So I flunked the, you know, whatever. Okay. Well, that's, that's how things used to be when, you know, you had to learn things, you know? So we had to, uh, utilize something known as a Dewey decimal system and, and all this kind of stuff to find books and, and, oh my gosh, you know, you talk about a chore.
1: Well, now it's just, you know, the the Google.com, Wikipedia, and, you know, uh, right-click, print, and there it is.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah, just believe, Mm -hmm. blindly believe anything that you, uh, you know, type in, and and you'll be okay. Well, until it comes to some hazmat information. Because, once again, here we go. Um, We've got some information out there. Uh, There are some things that trouble me personally. When... And there again, I don't know everything. Like I said before, uh, we cannot draw conclusions, but we can ask some questions at this point. And so, um, there again, I am not a hazmat technician. I've had numerous uh, classes in service wise. I've been a hazmat uh, awareness and hazmat. Uh, uh, there is some other level that I made, but it was, it was just below technician level. But the whole point is. Um, along with my uh, fire investigation um, education we we obviously had to uh, investigate some some hazardous material issues and things like that through that uh, course of of uh, enlightenment but uh, my point is that when i noticed what little um, media coverage um, came out with stories or video or the articles that i read uh, I did not notice anything mentioned about a, a decontamination area that was established. I did not see um, anything as a matter of fact the the short video clips I did notice I saw firefighters and first responders merely in turnout gear well, uh, no respirators no hazmat uh, gear or anything and I saw a hazmat response vehicle um in in one of the uh, short vignettes that i happen to see but what troubles me is having a situation now there again that doesn't mean that they did not set up properly or anything else i don't know so once again i am not armchair quarterbacking anything but i do have some questions about why you know i it, I just didn't see it. Now, once again, maybe they were set up in other locations and they purposely did not film that. Or maybe they had, you know, who the few people that were uh, reporting on the incident uh, never mentioned anything about a decontamination area. So, but my point is um, I'm very, very concerned about not only the residents um, and what's what what they're dealing with but also the first responders because the the regular turnout gear does not protect uh those firefighters from what they were exposed it, it just doesn't and so uh just in of course i mean it was a very very difficult lesson learned from 9-11 with all the methyl ethyl bad stuff that came out of the rubble and and all that stuff uh from that that people once again people just don't normally think about um you know, the the full ramification of that. And of course, the first responders, we don't think about that stuff. We're just going to go in and try to save lives and try to mitigate uh, the scenario and, and uh, get as uh, as many people safe as possible. And then, okay, what can we contain and, and go from there?
1: Well, the the problem is the response time. And, you know, I don't know for a fact, but probably as a rule of thumb the fire department was a predominantly volunteer fire uh, department and they showed up and then by the time it went from a local level to the state to the federal level you know the damage has already been done so that's where we come in and you know the individuals that live there is where that plan well exactly how to take care e- exactly of what's Here, going here's here's the deal
0: the thing is and that's a great point um, you have to, the, the that's why the plan is so important because here's the deal a lot of bad things happen before uh, the first responders can get there or as they are arriving either way so uh, you have. Uh, the 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 bad thing happen, excuse me especially with something like a hazmat situation you have minutes um maybe an hour or so before you know depending upon the dynamics of, of the situation before things really start to fall out and you start to experience uh the stuff that's being burned off you know the 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 uh the bad things that were released into the atmosphere or into the ground or into the water. Um, so you only have really a few minutes. Uh, and that's where that, that plan comes in handy when you hear kaboom and all of a sudden you look out of your window and you see an orange glow by the railroad tracks, I'm like, Oh, this can't be good. Um, hey. no matter what is going on you may not know if there are tankers involved or what have you but you know what when you when you get that moment of uh uh-oh like all right you go into plan and
1: here's where your average joe public is going to fall short you're sitting at home you know you your wife kids hanging out all of a sudden there's boom You look out the window and there's this ominous orange glow. They're more fixated on that orange glow of, ooh, what's that? Man, look at that. Ooh, wow. Uh, Bring the kids to the window and let's see. Let's go outside and let's see what's going on. Right. Okay? In those precious moments right there, you are still relatively safe. Because anytime something blows up, it goes up and out. So when it gets to the certain level in the atmosphere, it's going to stay stationary and then it's going to come down. If well, you don't have a plan and you don't have the forethought to go, oh, damn, get in the car, uh, you know which way... You know the wind blows and everything else, and you go the opposite direction to put as much distance between you and that ominous orange glow, because when it goes up and it comes down, it's never going to come straight down. It's always going to come, and it's going to follow. Um, the wind. <clears throat> your yeah. your wind. It's going to it's going to blow it west to east.
0: Well, and here's the other thing that's an unknown. When something goes boom, you don't know how violent of a boom that is. Right. And so you don't know how far out the initial blast involves. Okay? And a lot of times that's a problem with us first responders. We don't know until we get there. And a lot of times we don't know until we're well within the, the red zone. Because, once again, we have, we have to zone everything out. And... Um, that's of course. That's what the firefighters affectionately refer to us as copometers, yeah. because normally we're the first ones in. We beat the fire department, and we're exposed to all the methyl ethyl bad stuff. So they look at us, cops, and if we start passing out, then go, oh, it must be bad. We were put her on our SCBA. And uh, oh, okay, we're okay, but that gone, man. That we'll, looks. We'll
1: just wait and see yeah. what happens to them.
0: Hey, that cop is melting on the asphalt. What the heck? Ooh, well, maybe we it, should back it, up.
1: It's 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 a little. It's a little far from what we're talking about but um, so when when I was in this goes way back but when I went through basic training they taught you the bare minimums of how to <laughs> quote unquote survive an initial nuclear blast uh, you know you, you're going to see it before you hear it and you literally have seconds to react You know, it's, you lay uh, face down with your head towards the blast, you have your thumbs in your ears, and your hands over your face, and you tuck your elbows in, you cross your legs. Because you're going to have that initial blast that blows out, and then it's going to suck back in. Mm -hmm. So that right there um, is what kills most people from that That Initial blast. And then once that happens, you have a finite amount of time to put as much, whether it's dirt, uh, like get down in the basement, uh, concrete, whatever, as as much stuff between you and the outside, because that's when the radiation laden materials start to plummet to the earth. Granted, yes, radiation has a half-life and, you know, it, it dissipates over a, you know, a prescribed amount of time. But, <clears throat> this right here is the same thing, you know. You see the boom and you're like, oh, that's, what is that? Next thing you know, you just have inserted yourself into the, uh, <laughs> the cone of fire, if you will and you may get away but you you know the damage is already done you've already been exposed and now you are taking that and you're absorbing whatever that chemical is into your body and you've exposed yourself you've exposed your kids you've exposed your well, wife
0: once again any any person else. with whom you come in contact after you just exposed mm-hmm. if they have not already been exposed so once again, once, it's hard to tell. You'd, nobody knows. When you see an orange glow, you don't know if it's from a chemical explosion or a nuclear blast or, a, or what. So that's the thing. Number one, of course, you're not going to outrun a nuclear blast. No. I mean, you're just not going to do it. So you can get in your car and drive all you want. Well, that's fine. But you, it's that shock wave is going to overtake you um, within seconds or minutes. Mm-hmm. However, uh, once again, if you have an initial response as far as hey you you um, can try to identify once again an orange glow okay you you see flames coming up from from the railroad tracks and you say okay well something some part of a train is on fire okay more than likely you don't have a nuclear blast uh, or so so it might be a good idea to grab an overnight bag throw the kids in the car, and once again, go the opposite direction of where the wind's blown to get well, away from a blast. Uh, now, at the same time, also, once again, um, if it's, you know, in a situation like this where people obviously just did not know what was going on, which nine times out of ten, that's what's going to happen. You, you don't know exactly what's going on. You definitely don't know what chemicals might be aflame. Uh, and you definitely don't know... Um, how bad the the methyl ethyl bad stuff is,
1: um, but if this is where, if you have a a plan in place, and it's never going to be a specific plan, if you have a general plan, like okay something happens, either a get to the basement, mm-hmm. you know, and you have you know you have enough supplies in the basement, you know, food, water, uh. We'll just say gear um, in the basement for say three days, maybe a week, depending on how big your 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 family is. But you know, you're getting out of the way, out of sight, out of mind. Um, <clears throat> because what kills most people is being uneducated. Mm-hmm. You know the the old the old saying you know piss-poor performance is a direct correlation of (laughs) no prior planning. Exactly. So it's better to do something and fail as opposed to do nothing and definitely fail. You know, what are you going to do? Just sit there and and just let this chemical leach in and and melt the skin off your face?
0: Well, that's the thing. And, of course... Once again, with the Ohio incident, you know how uh, much—I mean, on a local level. Since we weren't there, we don't know. But how much reporting was actually done on a local level, as far as people being notified that hey, there's been an exposure risk. Okay. Well, Well, once again, to get people out, they once again what what a protocol would dictate is a decontamination area. So people coming out would go through a decontamination process and then board a bus or uh, another train or whatever to get out of the area to stay out of the area until uh, things can be assessed and that's another question I have with that particular scenario is why did someone choose to set a quote unquote controlled burn on chemicals that are known to have uh how should i say caustic very caustic and deadly consequences for uh inhalation issues uh absorption issues you know things like that so i that's another question that really really is at the forefront of my mind in that i will say that when you when when we respond to situations like that that have yet to explode, okay, normally when a tanker explodes, we call it a blevy, uh, and basically that can be as violent as, as a nuclear blast. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it, especially if you're anywhere nearby. I mean, that's a kind of blast that will you will feel in your bones, okay? You will feel the shock uh, through, your, through your torso uh, if you are anywhere within... Uh, well, it, uh, thousands of feet uh, of the explosion. The, so the,
1: the word you're looking for is the concussion. Oh yes. And exactly. what it does is it actually displaces the air, mm-hmm. and you—that is something that you will feel to your core. Um, and it's—it'll it, actually take a grown man and push him to the ground. Um, it's—it's. It's, it's almost like getting—it's like getting hit with a Mack truck, and it, uh, it can cause a lot of physical damage.
0: Well, and as we were speaking of before, uh, uh, something like a blevy will just do nothing more than push out more of that methyl ethyl bad stuff mm-hmm. um, as far as it, as far as it, it can, basically, and up into the atmosphere uh, laterally, uh, you know, through. Uh, well, up against buildings and, and vehicles and all this stuff. That's why, um, you know, even uh, without a blast like that, even setting as much of that chemical that was there on fire, we're talking tens of thousands of pounds of chemical, uh, that will leave, you know, with, through the smoke and, and all that stuff, will leave uh, sediment and film on everything.
1: Yep. Okay. Not, so if you have a mention, window,
0: if you have a window cracked or a door open or what have you,
1: you not know, to mention the fact that it's going to be absorbed into the soil.
0: Well, yeah, we haven't even gotten to that part
1: yet. And once that happens, the only the only place that it's going to settle is the water table.
0: It will eventually get to the water table uh, with that l- amount of chemical. Now, what? The uh, one of the a protocol uh, to keep to prevent a blevy is to keep the chemical as cool as possible so it does not um, combust and um, so you know whether it be water or whatever of course in this case they were using water which seemed to be working I mean, once again just from what little i've read uh, things were working and of course they were concerned about a blevy but they were, and of course, once again, there's a finite amount of water. So I could understand that like, okay, we're only going to have so much water, you know, uh, this stuff is still going to heat up. What are we going to do? So, uh, apparently they had, they, they found a way to, uh, allow the chemical to disperse into a, a rather large ditch, which once again, that's okay. Great. It, it's obviously it's going to be absorbed in the ground. However, we're preventing or mitigating the chances of a of blevy occurring. So, okay, what's the, you know, uh, we're in a bad scenario. Let's not make it worse.
1: It's the literally the lesser of two evils.
0: Lesser of two evils. So they get that out there. And once again, from what little I've read, I don't know everything that happened. But uh, that apparently at that time, somewhere in that time frame, is when somebody decided to. Uh, initiate a controlled burn. So the problem with that, uh, that that turned out as far as the contamination of town, is that the chemicals involved, um, there's, uh, through combustion, there is a chemical reaction with a number of these other chemicals, as well as the air. The air is not just oxygen, of course. You have nitrogen and hydrogen, and there's water molecules, humidity within the air, and all of this stuff. So. I looked up a couple of the chemicals. Um, One byproduct, when exposed to air through combustion, is uh, hydrochloric acid.
1: Oh, great!
0: Yeah, and another one, uh, which those that have been (laughs) have experience in the military,
1: those of you that don't know, hydrochloric acid is that stuff that's in your stomach, that dissolves all the food that you eat.
0: Yeah, that's that's yeah. Also, the stuff that's underneath your uh, kitchen sink.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah, we won't go down that route, yeah, yeah,
0: because we don't want to give people hints or anything like that. But yes, uh, hydrochloric acid it's safe to say it eats through a lot of stuff, including skin. Um, and then you have another byproduct, uh, that once again, those with military experience will recognize immediately. Uh, when I say phosgene,
1: <laughs> so,
0: um, hmm. um I I I did see a, a little a, a short little video clip involving a little old lady uh she was very concerned because she let her little dog Pookie out to go pee and Pookie never came back. Yeah. Well, Pookie was in the backyard because Pookie got a snoop full of phosgene because phosgene is a gas that's heavier than air. So, thankfully, you know, uh, uh, we it's it's a little harder for us humans to um Um, inhale phosgene because we're normally above that area where it likes to settle, uh, if it's allowed to settle. Once again, if it's disturbed, yes, it can come back up and and do a lot of damage. Um, But phosgene is a type of gas, if you remember, during World War I, um, it it was uh, highly effective. I think there were about 85,000, 86,000 casualties of phosgene. Well, the
1: the beauty of that was... um when they would turn it loose it would actually find um, the uh, impact craters so when they would go and try to advance through no man's land and they would slide down into a crater to get out of the the view of the bad guy well they're sliding down into a uh, essentially a blanket of mustard gas
0: Oh. Right, because it's heavier than air.
1: And, yeah. you know, once you slide in, you ain't sliding out.
0: Well, the other aspect to that is it doesn't dissipate very well. No. Because what happened is, you know, they were filling in a lot of foxholes and stuff like that uh, uh, upon the conclusion of the war. And fast forward about 20 or 30 years when uh, um, Mr. French guy just bought a, a half acre of bliss and wants to, he uh, I guess, um, uh, erect a... Um, um, oh, I don't know, a yard barn, and he decides to dig a um, a foundation for the yard barn, and all of a sudden uh, he gets hit with some mustard gas and drops dead.
1: Yeah, I can't remember what the half-life is on, on mustard gas, but, I mean, it's, it's one of the few that stick around for a while.
0: Right, yeah, it'll stick around for a decade or two, uh, or close to it. So the whole thing is uh, once like again, sarin gas and, oh yeah, all the good stuff. You know. Yeah, yeah. We'll get into the WMD stuff later too. But that's the whole thing. Um, uh, that's thankfully, when I say thankfully, because once again, I might buy you a little bit of time um, and, and not inhale uh, something like phosgene um, right off the bat. But uh, but these are. <sighs> once again, the first responders would have the knowledge, the books, or the reference material to say, this is what we're dealing with, and if we were to set this on fire, here are the byproducts of the combustion. The problem is with the hydrochloric acid, because it, it, well, once those chemicals react with the water, it, it makes it an acid, turns it to an acid, is that it is not heavier than there which means it will hang in the atmosphere. So imagine, if you will, uh, tens of thousands of pounds of hydrochloric acid in the atmosphere. Now,
1: So it's, that, it's the actual embodiment of the scare that they had back in, what was it, the 70s and the 80s of the acid rain?
0: Yes, now there you go. That, that's where I'm going with this. The emergency... All right, let's put it this way. The fallout isn't really over with in that particular location.
1: I don't even think it's begun.
0: Well, I'm trying to be nice. Um, because, well, yeah, we'll... Um, the, the thing is, uh, we have a storm front coming. And said storm front, uh, you know, the first rain hits, uh, we, it's going to be raining acid. Mm-hmm. Uh, not just over the town, but wherever uh, that those hydrochloric... Um, Acid molecules are hanging in the atmosphere
1: Well um, if, if you were smart And you looked at the Just look at the path That the Gulf Stream Takes You know how it comes across Ohio Comes through Pennsylvania And then kind of sweeps up North um, I'd be willing To bet In the coming days you're going to see More and more News uh, stations reporting on. Well, actually, here's the
0: thing. Here's the one thing. The way, and uh, once again, this is uh, soon to be a dated uh, episode. So, uh, but at this particular time, there is a big uh, warm cell. Uh, 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 Front. Yeah, I should say a front. It is pretty much stagnant right now over most of the Midwest coming up from the south. So uh, on the the west portion of our country, if you would imagine uh, the high plains and the Rocky Mountain area, we've got uh, cold air coming down from Canada, but we've got warm air coming up from the Gulf, uh, basically from the Mississippi over uh, east to the east coast right now. Uh, So the thing is, uh, there's a very nasty, nasty winter storm coming uh, from the west, from California, uh, coming across, uh, the Rocky Mountains right now into the high plains as we speak. And so we're going to have a boatload of snow and ice from, uh, basically a line above, uh, where this affected area is. Uh, it, you know, they're, they're not too far south from the, from the Great Lakes region, Lake Huron and things. So, um, the thing is, uh, we'll see how this weather pattern moves, because once again, that's going to be a major factor in who gets exposed to this fallout, basically. Okay, yep. so once again, we'll see how far and how quickly can the atmosphere dissipate. Once again, you know, like we used to say, you know, uh, uh, the the solution uh, for the pollution is dilution. Hmm. So once again, it's how quickly can that hydrochloric acid be diluted in the atmosphere through the rain but uh, I'm going to venture to say once again I'm not a meteorologist and I'm definitely not a chemist I'm merely a knuckle dragger but um, I'm going to guess that it'll probably be a couple of rains before a a whole chunk of that hydrochloric acid methyl ethyl bad stuff actually comes down out of the atmosphere. So now once you had just mentioned something to Frank that we have to consider is that uh, we have tributaries uh, not just you know we you think about the creeks flowing through the town that's that's got contamination in the water, okay. Well you know where do the creeks flow? Well, right into the Ohio River. Now where do the Ohio where does the Ohio River flow? Right, right. into the Mississippi. Mississippi.
1: And then goes right straight to the Gulf.
0: So how bad you know? Once again you know we're we're talking we've already heard and read about some exposure like I said into the Great Lakes region. Uh, because of the weather pattern and everything right now, so you know it's it's hard to say just how magnanimous of a situation this really is, because um, it's 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 going to be it's going to be hard to to figure out just how far uh, the exposure gets. So, but anybody that lives uh, that relies on the Ohio River or the Mississippi River for um, uh, for drinking water, I would oh once again <laughs> bring up another good point is uh your water filter underneath your kitchen sink uh doesn't filter this methyl ethyl bad stuff out no there's only one way to uh quote unquote clean that water and that's through distillation process so and keep an, i don't know too many people that. that
1: actually have that kind of well system here, in their house here here's so, it's, it's kind
0: of like living in a small town i don't know who who's lived in a small town or a small area or rural area where, hey, if there's a, a, a contaminant problem with whatever, I mean, it could be uh, moose poop soaked into the local stream or whatever. Okay, b- the boil water order comes out. Okay, boil your water. Well, that's basically a, a, an easy way of distilling your water. So you, you bring it to a boil for what, five minutes or so, that I'll normally kills out. most of that stuff. Once again, don't quote me on that. Uh, research that to make sure you need to have somebody uh, with an, some modicum of intelligence uh, tell you exactly, (laughs) uh, how long that is because, uh, uh, once again, this channel is for entertainment purposes only. Uh, we're just a couple of knuckle draggers that really don't know what the hell we're talking about. So, uh, but you, uh, would want to boil that water. Uh, now me personally, if I were in a situation that would be questionable, I would, if, if I didn't know, uh, exactly what my water source was or, or what, um, you know, impinged my water source. Then I would probably boil my water, and then I would probably filter it, uh, well, just to be it, safe it, about things.
1: This is where, you know, you have your bottled water. That's
0: if you can. Once where, again, and that actually was was uh, a part of that story. Of, hey, drink bottled water. Yes. If you can, uh, if you can store some extra bottled water, I have, you know, a couple of flats of bottled water in my apartment um, that I keep at all times. No matter, you know, uh, what, what apartment or house I'm I'm living in, I've got um, at least enough bottled water for a couple of days to a week or so before, you know, I can find another uh, uh, source or halfway half quality source of water. I mean, sort.
1: I I mean I hate to admit it, but I have a case of bottled water in the back of my truck
0: oh i do yeah i've got some water in my truck too yeah i've got uh basically i I say a basic response kit and here's something else that that we can delve into a little bit part of that plan is to have enough resources just like frank you alluded to that at the beginning of the video as far as having something stashed in your uh, Mm -hmm. basement or in your bathroom as far as you know a flat of water or uh, some snacks or or what have you i mean really that can go a long way um you Know the human body needs uh, fluids, uh, water, and uh, we're talking when I say fluids, I'm not talking about Coca Cola or something like that, I'm talking about legitimate.
1: Um, well, beer works too, right? It's mostly water, yeah. You're right, yeah. exactly. See,
0: see, there you go. You, you can have store a bunch of beer and water, you'll be all set. You won't well, have guess. to. <laughs> You won't have to worry a bit. <laughs> Beer,
1: water, beef jerky, and pork rinds. Well, ac- so ac-
0: according to the Coors commercials, back in the 80s and 90s, they, uh, beer's made out of water anyway. So Exactly. I mean, it's just a tastier version of uh, water, right? There it is. Oh, wait, you got some hops in there, so you actually get some... Um, um, uh, some um, um, oh, what do they call that stuff? Um, oh, crap, some fiber. Yeah, that's yeah. it. You get some fiber with the water... And so beer could be the best thing that you could uh, consume. It's, it's the best survival
1: like liquid ever.
0: There you go. See, I'm glad you brought you, that up.
1: You right? hydrate yourself. You get uh, you know some of your uh, you know your your minerals and vitamins from the hops. Uh, you see, uh, it's it's
0: good. So, yeah, you get you you get your you can
1: drink your snack basically, and, and you can drink it when it's hot. You can drink it when it's cold, and you're good. Well, I don't know. Do you do you normally drink hot beer? Uh. Personally no. Well you said you could drink it hot. Yeah, you could. But it's room temperature. I mean, you know. You oh,
0: okay, room temperature. Okay. Yeah. So it's not no. like you could throw it through a, a coffee maker or something and, and heat it up and
1: you know, drink it. No, hot, but hot beer. that that does I might have to try that just to see, you know, how that would work. Well,
0: you know, technically, you know, the, the coffee maker heated up enough that would be distilling it again, so you'd just be, you know, that much safer, right? Mhm. Yeah. Hey, see? See, sometimes it's worth listening to a couple of knuckle-draggers. Yeah. Because you can come up with some of the best ideas in the world. Hmm. You know, you guys and gals out there, if you like beer, try hot beer. Hot, steaming beer. Yeah. That's it.
1: Yeah, you could, you could try that, or you could just put it in the microwave. Oh, you know, I haven't thought about that either. Yeah.
0: You know, you could put a lot of things in a microwave.
1: I wonder if you'd have to take it out of the can.
0: I don't know. Just stick the whole can in there.
1: Yeah. Not
0: like the. Uh, you, you could put a you could put a whole
1: thing. whole can of beer. Yeah. You put one open, one closed, along with two raw eggs.
0: Oh yeah, there you go. You could have your you could drink your breakfast. See. There. You
1: know, after you scrape it off the side, <laughs>
0: <and> you, know, <laughs> you just peel it off boom. the peel it off the ceiling, and you're all set.
1: Yeah. There you but, go. You know, in, in, in all seriousness, you know, you're never going to have the correct type or amount of supplies for whatever disaster happens. You just need a basic, say, one week, like seven days worth of food and water and whatever specific... You know, whether it's medicines or, you know, things that you you or your family needs. And what goes a lot further than that is common sense. You know, it's like the ominous orange glow. You know what? Screw that. I'm going to go in the basement. Because that doesn't look right. I'm going to stay in the basement. You know, turn on the radio. If you still have power and you still have cable or whatever and you can watch the news, guess what? Stay where you're at. Stay in place. Get as much information as you possibly can. Make an informed decision. As opposed to going willy-nilly and running around going, "Hey, you know, this 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 water falling from the sky is burning my skin. I wonder why." Duh no no stay safe because you can't help anybody else if you're dead you stay in there and this is where this is where the the million-dollar question it always comes up in in a disaster or an emergency situation at what point do you have to be an asshole and shut your doors to your neighbors because you have your supplies for your family do you cut those supplies in half and allow other people in or you know what what do you do personally close-knit you know Like, so for me, for example, if I have, let's say, five people in my family, I'm going to build a kit for five people, and then I will always add, like, an additional four servings, like, say, for food, for example. I'll add four more servings. So now I have a buffer if I want to let one or two people in. If not, guess what? I just extended my my amount of food that I have to deal with. Same way with the water and everything else. But if you don't have that, you're SOL. It's better to have a little something and a whole bunch of common sense so that you... Not guaranteed, but well, well a higher e- exactly. propensity of waking up the next morning.
0: Exactly. You, you have to have more than one option is, is what this comes down to. Mm-hmm. For instance, just like we were talking about the beginning of the, the video or the podcast, if you uh, can identify this, say, this particular Ohio situation, holy crap, something just blew up at the train depot. Mm-hmm. You know what? I got enough time. I'm grabbing my kids and i'm i'm heading to to granny's house you know 20 miles uh north of town and and just get out okay all
1: starts with a plan
0: now if you don't know what that is and you don't know it's like well i i really don't know what's going on here all right i'm going to shelter in place great if you have a basement or if you have a low-lying area uh, that you can stay and be safe i say be safe in that you have some supplies and you don't have to venture outside. Uh, you know, stick a few blankets underneath the, the doors and stuff like that, so nothing can come in, or less could come in. Let's just put it that way. Once again, it's about just trying to mitigate things, and and hanging out until you can get a good radio report or a TV report or what have you. Okay, great. Mm-hmm. Once again, if the report comes through that oh my gosh, you know we were just hit with a nuclear missile. Okay, um, I'm not going anywhere.
1: And, okay, and nine I'm, times out of ten. If it's bad enough, they are going to not so much tell you what to do, but they're going to suggest, you know, uh, stay in place or, you know, get the hell out of the area or something along those lines.
0: Now, there's also something we need to bring up, too, before we, we close this particular episode, and that's the panic effect.
1: Well, and, and that's it's kind of where I was, you know, going with that. You know, depending on what people start hearing, whether it be word of mouth or, you know, phone calls or on TV or the radio, the human nature side of it will take that information and blow it completely out of proportion. And the panic is going to set in. And once it sets in, it spreads like wildfire and people will actually die from panicking and doing stupid stuff as opposed to just saying, you know what, this really sucks. I'm, I'm, I'm in the basement, but okay, I'm, 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 I'm not out in, in the elements. I have food. I have water, and, you know, I'm safe, and, you know, my quote-unquote, my family's safe. We can we can get through this for the next right. until further assessment three or four days or
0: whatever right. else until you learn more about what's going on you can reassess situations just like what we do we have to reassess sometimes on a uh, less than a second <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, time frame okay I mean uh, but that's the whole thing having some options giving yourself options. And it's just like my dad used to say, and I've I've said it a lot on on previous episodes, like, why put yourself in that position if you don't have to? Mm -hmm. So if you give yourself some options, have an overnight bag packed for everybody just in case, you know, have, you know, top off your your fuel tanks when you can and your vehicles, because if you do have to make a hasty retreat, you've got fuel, because once again, panic hits, everybody's going to hit a gas station. Everybody's going to be overwhelming the Wally worlds and, and all this stuff, so... If you already have enough packed in the the trunk of the vehicle or or your SUV or whatever and you have a full tank of gas, hey, you're ahead of the game. Once again, not that you have to use it, but if it's there, I mean, it's there so you can use it if you have to.
1: That's the thing. I I don't care if you had an unlimited amount of money, you know, you're still never going to be prepared enough for every scenario you know it boils down to food and water and a rudimentary first aid kit and you know if you so if you so desire put your gun some ammo whatever you feel that you know you need well
0: that that's a great point right there because you cannot count on the government to save you no. Okay, how many times have we heard that in the past? I have a dear friend of mine from college. He made that comment to one of my fellow friends the other day, and he just started laughing at him on the telephone he said what 's so funny?" He said the statement that you just made Well, if things get bad enough, the government's going to come and help us No, they will not take a look at what has been happening i 'm not we 're not going to draw conclusions. We'll allow you <laughs> to to assess once again, not be judgmental but assess What's been going on with previous scenarios and situations around this country, even around the world. It's not just this country. Look around the world. Open your eyes and see what's actually going on around you. Okay, you cannot count on anybody to save you but yourself. All right? As much as I've been a police officer all my adult life, as much as I'd love to be able to say that, hey, we can protect people. We can No, serve and protect is a misnomer. All right, we are here to keep the peace, the public peace. That's why we're known as peace officers, uh, predominantly in the western parts of our country. Okay, or uh,
1: clean up a mess.
0: Well, clean up a mess. But the whole point is, there are not enough police officers to protect everybody. There just there is there never has been, and ne- and especially at the rate that we're going now, there never will be. So you cannot, you know, once again, one of the, the gun commercials of yesteryear, it's like, hey, you know, you know when the bad guy's seconds away, the police are minutes away. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, so, uh, and unfortunately, that's been the case in, in numerous situations. You have to rely on a superior mindset. Once again, we've been mentioning that before in other episodes. I, you know,
1: that, that does kind of ring a bell. That
0: whole superior I, mindset I thing. Before. And, of course, part of that superior mindset is giving yourself options. Okay, so once again, we uh, oftentimes, when we look at these scenarios, we have the uh, the, the um, comfort. I, I'll say comfort because it is of hindsight. Well, they did this and did that and did this and did that. Well, who knew all that stuff at the time it was happening? Nobody. Nobody knew everything at the time it was happening. Okay, so once again, you give yourself options. You assess. And then you make your plan, and then you reassess, and then you uh, uh, you know uh, uh, modify your plan as needed uh, in your reassessment. But you have to continually, I say, not continuously, but continually, make reassessments based upon information that you can get. So once again, just like Frank, having a a radio with a a battery operated radio can mean everything. If the internet goes down and the power goes out. Uh, you still might be able to get a source of viable information to figure out what's going on after you hear the boom or feel the, the vibration or see the uh, uh, glowing horizon and try to figure out what the heck is going on to, to make your assessment.
1: And on top of that, you you have to understand that the day that this happened, there was probably a matter of hours that the information was on lockdown. There was nothing put out to the townspeople. So that's where you have to be self-sufficient. You have to do what's best for you in your opinion, in your situation. If you feel that, Getting in your car and hauling ass in the other direction is what's going to be best for you. You know what? Make the decision and go with it. You, you Nothing is worse than, one, being unprepared or making the decision and then halfway through it, just freezing up and going, well, maybe I shouldn't have done this.
0: Or, because you were ill-prepared... Oh, my gosh, what do we do? I'm just now out of gas. Right. And we're in the middle of the interstate. And we're not even halfway to where we wanted to go.
1: So, so I mean, you you can quickly make your situation a thousand times worse.
0: Or you could make your situation a thousand times better mm-hmm. and pre-plan a few things. Exactly. And I will say this. Uh, listen to your gut. So listen to your gut. That little tiny voice is, let's just say in my personal experience, has always been correct. Always correct. It's the times that I failed to listen to my little voice that I screwed something up.
1: (laughs) Which I still do just about every day. Yeah. Uh, How about this? We're getting short on our available time. How about we take this up on a part two?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Part duh. Yeah, I think we need a part duh.
1: Okay. All right. On that note, uh, stand by for part two. Take care.